man. But the Bench Mob Podcast, we are back. We are back. This is going to be a good one, man. We're going to touch on the bubble life, Amari Cooper saying what he said with the Cowboys. We're going to touch on game, put some respect on his name. We're going to touch on all that. We're going to do a recap real quick of uh, the game that happened on Monday and Tuesday. Heat Paces, uh, that was the matchup again, rematch. Uh, T.J. Warren, Jimmy Butler, their little beef. Uh, Paces won- lost 114-92. to 92. What's your thoughts? Uh, recap on that game, man. I thought it was just hyped. People were exaggerating how – as if it was almost like a, a, a one-on-one, like they were about to play in trenches or something. <laughs> Like, it it was funny how they're pitting these two guys against each other, knowing that pretty much the whole game they weren't playing defense on each other. So I'm like, how are you going to talk trash, all this stuff, and you're not playing each other from the tip? Like, they had someone deem the other person the whole game. Like, Jimmy was going off. T.J. Warren had his moments at the beginning, and then second half didn't really do anything. I don't think he scored a point. But Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy's different. That's why I be, I try to tell people that Jimmy's Jimmy's a dog. They try they they're like, why are you putting him in the top twenty? I'm like, you'll see, you'll understand why. T.J. Warren was held at 19 points. Jimmy Butler also had 19 points. And to your point about them barely guarding each other, they Butler only guarded him 25 total possessions. In those possessions, T.J. Warren went one for three. Lakers Nuggets game. Kyle Kuzma hit that game winner. Lakers win 124 to 121. What's your your takeaway from that game? All these Lakers games are real tight. I don't know. I'm expecting something more from from them right now, but hopefully they turn it on in the playoffs. But what was concerning was that they were letting them stay so close with the bench basically in the whole fourth quarter. It was almost they almost lost to guys who aren't even going to play in the playoffs next in the, in, in a couple weeks. So that was concerning, but I mean, it's a good thing they need to get Kuz involved more because I feel like he could be an X factor because you can't rely on AD and LeBron to take on everything. There's yeah, that. My Matt Jokic only had one rebound, surprisingly, that whole game, one rebound. Um, and the Lakers changed their lineup again. We'll talk about that later. Um, I don't know about Frank Vogel, man. Sun 76s. The Suns ended up winning that game. That was on Tuesday, which was yesterday. They won 130-117. They remained undefeated. Thoughts on Booker and these Suns continuing to win? Well, that game was a wash. I don't – we don't have to talk about it because they didn't the, – the Sixers didn't really have anybody playing for them. So, But the Suns, they've been playing well. I kind of want to see them in that final elimination game, more so than Memphis now. I know I was saying that Memphis would make it, but – They've kind of taken their foot off the gas a little bit and let all these teams come back. Now it's like a four-way tie for basically the ninth and the eighth seed. So I don't know. With the the Suns, I like what they have right now. They got Devin Booker playing out of his out of his mind. Mikael Bridges is he was clearly working over the the four month layoff. Uh, well, DeAndre Ayton's good when he's, you know, doing his COVID test on time. Uh, yeah, so they got a good squad. I actually like it. I, I, hope, I hope this doesn't lead people to thinking next year that they should 
they should be like contenders or something. This is, oh, no. That'll be an overreaction for sure. It's still the Suns, but it's fun. It's fun seeing them play well right now. Yeah, my biggest takeaway, like I, we know, Embiid barely played. He wasn't a factor. You know, watching the call wasn't there. Simmons. So my biggest takeaway from that, kudos to them staying undefeated. Um, and kudos to the Suns organization. They had, I don't know if you saw, they had their families announce the starting five. So in a time where they're not seeing their families, they miss their families out of all organizations to be the first to actually do that. Shout out to the Suns to having them do that. I think that was dope. Um, I think they really try to make sure that they keep Book around, even though he's on the contract. It's been a lot of rumors. I don't want him to stay in Phoenix. I want him up in, you know, the tri-state area somewhere in in Times Square. (laughs) (laughs) Grizz Celtics game, as you just mentioned, the Grizz, uh, they lost 122-107 to the Celtics. Um, Your thoughts on on that game? I think they're lacking a sense of urgency. Like I was saying before, was, they were playing well before the shutdown, and then since the bubble started, all that talk before was nice, but they haven't really shown that they could make the playoffs. They deserve to be in the playoffs. They, they haven't really done anything. Like, Jaws been up and down. Every, the whole team's been up and down, basically. And you can see, they lost to the Celtics, who, mind you, they're a better team. Clearly, but these bubble games—it's like it's do or die. This you gotta take every game, especially those bottom teams. As if if we lose this game, then we might not make the playoffs. That's how all eight games should have been approached. But I don't think they've been approaching it like that. I think um, which we have to factor in being at the youth, not knowing how to win, not having any playoff experience really on that squad. And, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr. being out, that's a huge, huge loss to them. Something that also that stuck out, hey, they shot 24% from the three-point line. That's not going to win you that many games, man. Last game we recap, of course, we got to talk about it. Just happened last night. Went off Mavs, Blazers game. Blazers pulled it out, 134-131. As you said, Every game is basically a playoff game. They have been playing as such. Thoughts on that game? Um, well, Dame, let's start off with that. <laughs> 61 points after he dropped 50. I don't, he dropped 50 the, the game before that, too. So, clearly, somebody pissed him off. Uh, <laughs> a certain talk show host, but we won't get into that. But... I don't know. He's been playing with a different level of anger, I, I feel like. That's what it is. It feels like he's angry. Like like he said after the game, put some respect on my name. He, I, feel, I think people see him as one of the best players in the league, but they don't consider – I don't know if people consider him like a superstar, which that could be because of where he plays. It also be because he hasn't won anything yet, but Dame is Dame. He's – he could do this night in, night out. He showed that during the season when he had that little, like, week stretch where he averaged, like, 47 for that whole week and was just yeah. giving out buckets. Like, he's almost unguardable at this point. And I just wish that he would be in a better spot, a better place. I don't know if Portland's the right place. And he's just too loyal at this point to – 
to leave, but who knows? Uh, my takeaway from it, we're going to definitely talk about um, how he's been playing lately. 111 points in two games. Crazy. Um, my boy Melo, my boy Melo showed up. 26 and eight boards in that game. Uh, we definitely want to talk about that, too. He's been balling as of late since coming back into the, the bubble. He's been doing his part. He just became 15th all-time on the scoring list, so shout-out to Melo. And Porzingis was a big takeaway for me. That's what I forgot to mention, too. He has been balling in the bubble. It was only 20.8 he was averaging before coming into the bubble. He's above that by seven points, I believe. He's averaging around 26, 27 points. 36 points, he did his part in that Mavs game. Um, he's been balling. Porzingis has. Yeah, he's starting to get that rhythm back, which is good to see. It hurts only because, you know, what happened. But he's he's clearly one of the better players in the NBA when he's, like, on, on fire. Because last night or, yeah, last night he was on fire. Like, three-pointers, everything. So when they get him playing like that, you know, playing defense, rebounding, they're they're tough to beat. It's just they happened to run into Dame last night, who <laughs> put the team literally on his back and was hitting some crazy jump shots that uh, I only think two other two people in this NBA could hit, and that's yeah. him and Steph. <laughs> Look at the stat line for him, um, even Dorian Smith. Even uh, you add in Luca, a stat line that's typically a win. Yeah, most teams 131, 131 points typically is a win against most teams. You just ran into Dane. R E S P E C T. Find out what that means to me. R E S P E C T <laughs> has said after last night. We saw it with some expertise. We were able to read his lips, put some. Effing respect on my name. Motivation, obviously, still has come from the Pat Bev, Paul George social media exchange, going back and forth, um, being excited about him missing those free throws in the Clippers game. Um, you know, of course, Dane responded, hey, I took, I sent you home, Pat Bev, and I sent you home, Paul George. So, yeah, I know y'all can get this word. They responded, of course, Pat Bev being the instigator as he is. Cancun on three. Paul George uh, responded, told him that he was going to be going home this year. They continued it. You know, Dane said he was ducking, ducking at work, switching from team to team. Paul George responded, hey, my one stint, and I'm thinking he's a lure to the Pacers, was more of an impact than anything he's done with the Blazers. Thoughts on this social media, Twitter, Bleacher Report exchange and just how Dame has been balling since those comments? Uh, well, he was pissed off during the game, too, because I remember seeing – he was saying, I want – you should be out here. I want you out here talking to Pat Bev, which I like I like when he's he's talking like that. That means he's he's in a different he locked in. He's locked, he's locked in. But it's just funny how – I mean, I would say he's better than Paul George at this point in their careers. He's better than him. He's better than Pat Bev, clearly. But he, he let him 
get under his skin a little bit, which, I mean, they won a bubble game. It was That was cool, but it doesn't really define what Dame's about. Like, we, we've seen him in the playoffs put his team on his back. We've seen him against the Rockets, what, seven years ago when he hit that fadeaway game winner. We saw him, what was that, last year when he sent yeah. Paul George home packing from like 35 feet out. He led the team to the Western Conference Finals last year. And this team would be a lot different if they had everybody healthy the whole season. So it's easy to talk talk that talk there, especially when Paul George and, and Pat Bev weren't playing. So that's what I think about it. I just think that Dame, he bit, he bit into it a little bit, you know, and then Skip Bayless chimed in and he bit into that, but he, he used that as motivation because now he's just, I don't know, he's just different. For me, it makes me think about the Jordan documentary when Jordan, that scene, he got the cigar in his mouth and he looks at the camera, he said, it became personal for me. When Dame takes it personal, it gets spooky. I know in one of his songs he mentioned, he said, I'm, I'm a peaceful guy, but if y'all bring the smoke, I'm going to come with the smoke. Dame pretty much seemed like he'd be minding his business till somebody poked the bear, and when they poked the bear, you know, that outcome is scary for the league. So I want to say I want smoke with Pat Bev and Paul George because they're more than likely playing the Lakers. And as a Lakers fan, I am nervous with how Dame is playing, how Melo is playing, Collins, Nurkic. You just motivated them. They're going to get that AFC more than likely. And it gets spooky for the Lakers. It gets spooky for the Lakers. Frank Rogel has yet to find out a lineup to stay with, which is frustrating. The game before this Nuggets game, he didn't play Deion Waiters. He didn't play J.R. Smith. Kept them both on the bench. The next game, you played them. The game before that, you played Quinn Cook, 26 minutes. He played Jared Dudley. 14 minutes, who more than likely is not seeing the floor in playoff. Why is he playing? Frank Vogel, I'm... Caldwell Pope's hurt, one. So that's another thing. That takes probably your, like, most athletic shooter out of the game because, I mean, Danny Green's not really hitting anything right now. He's he's just out there at this point, just collecting a check. So not hitting any jump shots. So what are you doing out here? You're not. He's not the defender that he used to be. Clearly, and then I think they gave up so much. Well, they they pay. They're paying him so much that they have to play him. I just think that Jr. might be a better option right now because he's a, Why we sign he's a him? shooter. Yeah, he's a better shooter than Danny Green right now. Why do we sign him if any if if at any point, this is why I feel you signed uh, J.R. Smith or Deion Waiters. If at any point these jokers aren't performing between the two I just mentioned, Danny Green, Caldwell Pope, whoever not performing, hey, you gonna cut your minutes for a little bit this game. I don't, I don't, I don't. He didn't even play Marquise Morris two games ago. Why we sign him and you still playing? You still playing with lineups? I just think he's trying to test lineups out. Yeah, he's just trying to test lineups out to see what works, who works with who. That's kind of what it is because they already clinched the one seed. They don't really – these games don't matter, but they do matter because 
you need to be able to see some chemistry with these players after four months. But you want to be playing somewhat good basketball leading up to the playoffs, especially when we see Dane and the Blazers killing how they're killing right now. Gary Trent Jr., as a Lakers fan, I'm nervous. Um, mentioning what Paul George was saying, which I, I, I didn't really rock with at the end of all of this, Paul George came out with the sympathy card like, yo, my career would be different if I didn't get injured. Can't talk that talk, all that smoke afterwards and be like, yo, well, I got injured. I mean, he only missed one season, and he still looks like he came back fully healthy off of the injury. So I don't, I don't know if we could use that as an excuse besides that he missed a season of his career. Um, cause I don't know. He was more athletic, I guess, back then, but he's, I think, more skilled now. So I think he's a better player. Like Definitely. that last year with OKC, he was like right there for the MVP. He was balling and he still had Russ on the team. So I don't know how he's going to try to use that as an excuse, even though yeah. you're playing well, you're not bad. I don't know why you're treating it like, you fell off or something. Bruh, that's what I'm saying. That's like somebody talking smack. And when it's time to actually fight and score up, oh, nah. You know, I was just, I was just saying, nah, stand, stand your ground. Don't, don't put no post up. Um, I excuses, yeah. He's using excuses because Dame pulled the, the chump card on him, saying that you, you switched teams because you couldn't handle the smoke on that one team. I mean, clearly, because he got sent home by Dame. It wasn't working in OKC. It didn't work in Indiana. And he forced his way out of Indiana, too. So it looks, it looks like the way Dame's bringing it up. So I get why Paul George is defending himself. But I would have used a different argument as far as my case. <laughs> hey, as we mentioned before, Dame is just loyal to the bone. He put up a post, an authentic path may take longer, but the moves and impact are forever legendary. That says it right there. That's Dave. You mentioned it. Maybe Portland's not the place, but I don't think, unless they trade Dame, not going nowhere. Dame is not going. He has that that same type of Kobe, uh, MJ cloth. Where they, MJ and they're playing for the Wizards, but MJ wanted to stay with yeah. the organization. So Dame's not going nowhere. Um, as you mentioned, he fed into Skip Bayless. Um, you know, some of the Bleach Report stuff came out. He didn't really pay attention, but he commented on it. Speaking of Bleach Report, Bleach Report put up a post about the Lonzo Ball, and they put up a post of his stats basically in the bubble. I'm going to read them to you. 5.6 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 6.8 assists, 26% from the field goal and 19% three-point shooting. Um, he responded by saying, make sure you post my stuff next year also. Keep that same energy with the hashtag TMC. As we know, the marathon continues. You think Lonzo was a little bit in his feelings in this one? I do. I think he was because he didn't really have a bad season. He just didn't play well in the bubble which it is concerning because this is third year. Um, and especially seeing who got picked after him at, at, and that being Tatum, it kind of, I don't know. 
he's got to have a little bit of a sense of urgency at this point in his career because it's almost like I don't want to say make or break, but this team that he's on, it's a good fit, but also they have other pieces on there that take away from what he can do. So he can he's not really running full point guard position because they have Drew Holiday. He's kind of like the combo guard. He can bring it up to. I don't know. I just expect more. I expected more from Lonzo at this point in his career that he's a good player. Everybody can, everybody who knows basketball knows that Lonzo does what you need to do to win. But now you need to see him more consistent with his jump shot. He's shooting like 50% from the free throw line, which as a guard, that's not... That's, that's not, not acceptable. Yeah. And then... These numbers that he put up in the bubble, because I was watching the game last night and he got he got hot for a little bit. But besides that, he's every shot I've seen him take, he hasn't been hidden. So twenty six percent, that's probably what I would shoot in the NBA if I was playing. And you just telling me to spot up and shoot. So for him, he's got to be better, especially as a number two pick in the NBA. You can't you can't be average. Yeah, the twenty six percent from the field is that's what hits for me. Like you know, I, I, get, I get it if it's a three pointer and like some people can't shoot threes, but you gotta at least be at forty percent from the field. You can't from be shooting twenty six because you're just basically you're just air. You're just breathing air out there. You're not you're not helping the team. You're hurting the team shooting the ball. Yeah, man, and with Zion having limited minutes and stuff like that, this was an opportune time to step up. Now, with Zion there, you know, Drew Holiday, you got um, Frank Jackson off the bench. With those guards there, hey, is he going to play his full game? No, but you had an opportunity to show up and show out, being that it was more minutes, more put on your plate. And the thing that's a little – I think he was he was in his bag a little bit because we report – Posted this year, March 9th, 2020. They posted the five game at four game span where he was shooting like 53% on three point. So it ain't nothing personal. They posted your good stats too. So but he's I just, too inconsistent. He's just too inconsistent because he'll have stretches like that where he's firing on all cylinders, but then he'll have what these last two weeks where he just he looks like he's somewhere else. He's not focused or, or something. I don't. I don't know what it is, but he's struggling in a way that nobody in the bubble is struggling right now. He can pass the ball. That's. It don't. It doesn't take that much to pass it, but to shoot it for him, it. it it's hurt. It hurts to watch. Uh, it's. It's obviously hurt them. They were expected to be in that eighth, ninth seed talk, but they just wasn't. I don't think anybody's going to put him on their all-NBA bubble team or anything like that. Speaking of, you feel me, the NBA, which I think is dope, a dope idea. They are giving out um, an NBA bubble MVP award and, like, the all-NBA bubble team, first and second team. Um, for those who overperformed, who did their job during this bubble, this regular season bubble of uh, eight games. Who are you choosing for your NBA bubble MVP? I mean, I want to say Devin Booker, 
just because he's been going off the whole time, teams undefeated. They weren't even – I wasn't even thinking of them making the playoffs, and now they're right there. So I think he's the bubble MVP. But Dane makes it so tough the way he's balling right now because he's putting his team on his back and trying to bring them to the playoffs too. But I'm just going to say Devin Booker because the Suns weren't even in the picture when this started. Well, we didn't even go over who we chose, and we got the same person. Devin Booker, that's my NBA bubble MVP. As you said, they undefeated, 31 points per game, six assists, four rebounds, undefeated. They're in that conversation now to get that ninth seed. I think that's going to be an interesting play-in between them and the Blazers. I don't see them beating the Blazers twice to get in, but that's kudos to him for bringing them up. And they don't even have – they're doing a lot of this without Kelly Uber, who I think is a huge – Huge. That's a huge piece. So, imagine them next year with this momentum and building this chemistry and this confidence for them, this young team, with uh, my man Monty Williams coaching them up. Add Kelly Uber to this mix. They might be in the same situation next year, that eighth and seed. We're not going to be prisoners in a moment and say, oh, yeah, they're going to be a top 14. Not going to do that. Who's on your all-NBA bubble first team? Uh, All-bubble NBA first team. Dame, for sure. All right, that's one. Devin Booker. I'm going to put Luka in there. Uh, Who else? Michael Porter. I'm going to put Michael Porter in there because he's been going crazy uh, these past couple weeks. And then... Who's the fifth guy? Who's that's a tough one. So first team. I don't know. Let me hear who you got. And then I might add one of those people to my list too. First team, I got Dame, of course, averaging 37, nine assists a game. Devin Booker, as we mentioned. Luca gotta be up there. The man's having a triple double in the boat. 32-11-11. Can't ignore that. T.J. Warren, 31 points per game, six rebounds. Man, that's who. Um, even though Jimmy Butler shut that down, the Heat shut that down last night, but 31. And last from my spot on the first team, I got Chris Stops, 29 points per game, nine rebounds, two assists. I put him on my first team, how he's been balling in the bubble, as I said earlier. He was only averaging 20 this season before everything shut down. A nine-point jump? Yeah, that's he on my first team. On my all-NBA second team, this is where it might be a little uh, debate. My list might be somewhat different. I got Gary Trent Jr., 17 points per game. I got James Harden on there, 33-7-8. I got Michael Porter Jr., 23-9. and nine. I got Giannis, 27-12-4. And then this is a, a – I, I know you probably won't be on board with this one. My last spot, I got my man DeMar DeRozan, 21-4-5, and five, and has the Spurs in that conversation. They what, the 10th seat right now? Mm-hmm. The Spurs, Suns, and Blazers are all in that conversation to get that – get into the playoffs, and nobody – really had spurs in the conversation to get into the playoffs. So that's my all-NBA 
See, I agree with all that besides KP. I think KP, he's on the second team just because Michael Porter wasn't even expected to do any of this. And then he comes out and drops 37, then 30-something, and then like 27, like in a three-game stretch last week. And he basically helped the the Nuggets. And now he's, he's probably that third option on the team now. Whereas, you know, KP, we already knew who he was and what he was going to do. He's great at what he does, which is shooting threes and shooting in general. He's great at that. So I think Michael Michael Porter deserves it over KP just for that fact of him. He wasn't an unknown, but we didn't think that he was going to do this this quickly. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was showing a lot before the, the whole shutdown happened, but – I wasn't expecting him to just, you know, he get a he got a rebound, dribble, pull up from the three at the top of the key. I'm like, who is this guy? Makes me wish we could flash back to that draft and you know take him instead of Knox. But hey, I'm still gonna rock with my guy until further notice. But ah, who's on your second? Um, I got Giannis, Harden, KP. I actually like Nurkic because mm. he's been playing well. He's been a sleeper on that team and kind of – he he's an X factor on that team because he does it all. He, his stats, he's averaging like 20, 10, five assists and like a couple blocks a game. There's not many players in the NBA doing that right now. So if he could do that for them, then, yeah, they're real scary in the first round. And then – I'm going to just throw LeBron on there. Like, he's been up and down, but his average is better than most people's greatness. So I'm going to put him on there too. Um, can't really argue with that list. Uh, something that has been going on during this bubble is a lot of interviews, a lot of Zoom talks, a lot of, just being in their rooms, um, hanging out with the team. One of the things that came out in one of these interviews was Jalen Brown, his conversation and talk on mental health and how mental health is playing a factor. And this time, a lot of times, a lot of guys they want to be able to lead and forget about basketball for a little bit. It's impossible here. What's your thoughts on his viewpoint him saying that mental health is a factor in what's going on. As we mentioned, the Suns did something dope by letting the families announce, and they were able to see their families announcing. It's basketball. That's it for for these players. You can't leave, really. You can't see your family. What's your your thoughts on Jalen Brown's comments? I, I think it's challenging for a lot of them to – deal with this because they're away from their families for however long it's it it doesn't feel it's not like a vacation because this is their job they're working so usually when they're playing during normal circumstances it's a little different they they can go home and talk with their family relax play with their kids but right now they don't have that opportunity and I know it hits home to Jalen 
because his friend, his friend passed away. I remember that like two, three years ago. Um, and yeah, he committed suicide and you don't know what people are going through. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of players in the bubble right now who there's stuff bigger than basketball going on in their lives that they kind of have to just compartmentalize until they get knocked out of the playoffs or they get eliminated from the run, then they can deal with it. But I don't know. And it it affects a lot of people in a, in a, in a great way. Um, Just like he said, it's tough for young black men and, and women too, as far as mental health, because you just, you don't know who you can turn to in, in some aspects. And it's just great that he's voicing his opinion on mental health and bringing awareness to it. It's great that, you know, DeMar DeRozan did that last year, or a few years ago too, because then it allows the space for other people to come out and talk about it and be like, Oh, I didn't know like LeBron and DeMar and all these players, they, they feel the same way I do. And they're, they're not afraid to talk to somebody about it. And with that, you just have to, you have to talk to somebody. You can't keep stuff bottled up and, and think that you can, it'll just go away. You can just, you're just that well, you, you do that well in, in dealing with your feelings. Cause not everybody can, can deal with it like that. You know, some of us are more quiet than others. So those are the ones you really need to check in on. And I don't know if they have like a therapist there or these players have therapists, but that's definitely something that people need more of, especially in the black community. Just get get over to somebody and talk to them or it doesn't even have to be a therapist. Just talk to somebody, period, and, and let them know what's going on with you. So because with mental health, some of them just they keep it bottled up. And nobody really knows ever what happened or what was going on until it's too late. So it's kind of, you have to just bring awareness. This is what it is. They, they've got this platform, all the world's eyes are on them right now. And you kind of use that platform to, to bring change and bring awareness to this mental health issue that affects a lot of us. And especially people that look like me and you. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown, so far in his career, every time this man talks, he, he don't miss from being one of the people in the forefront for fighting for the equality, for equal rights when it comes to police injustices and Black Lives Matter. Before they came down, he was protesting on the front lines with everybody. He was setting up protests. So Right now, he can't miss. I think it's great. He is literally one of the examples of being more than an athlete. It is sad how much in the black community has been stigmatized and such frowned upon of going to a therapist or talking to anybody. It's literally been proven when you bottle these emotions up, it literally has effects on your body. It can cause different illnesses and sicknesses and diseases because you stress it out. You get tumors, a bunch of stuff that comes from having it bottled up and not talking to anybody. 
I don't know if they have a therapist on site, but I think it's huge that he spoke up. I think it's great. He's using the platform to do so. So, as you said, specifically in our community, oh, Jamie Brown has to talk to somebody? Oh, hey, maybe I can talk to somebody. It makes people feel comfortable about it. It makes people feel they normalize it. I think that's the thing we gotta do as a community, normalize mental health. Normalize it. It's okay if you're going through something. It's okay if you had to go through molestation. You need to talk about these things because it will have an effect on you, whether it's physical with an illness, you might take things out later on, on family members, on your teammates. These things all factor in into being successful in life. And I don't think a lot of times people factor that in for athletes, a part of hey, maybe they aren't playing well because of something else going on mentally. Maybe they're going through stuff. That affects how you play. Not everybody could compartmentalize and put family life there and then get on the court and be good. Or put financial struggles or put baby mama drama. Get that there and then ball out. Only thing ball does is give you a distraction from it for, what, an hour or two? Maybe yeah. you can yeah, to leave the court, it's all right back on you. All that weight that you feel that you're just keeping inside, you might have put it off for those couple hours to play and do your job, but then it's right back on you once you pick up your phone and you go back to your room. It's That's what it is. And you just need to normalize not thinking that people who need therapy, there's something wrong with them, like thinking that they're crazy or they got, like, issues, like, yeah, some people, they need help. They need somebody to talk to, somebody who understands them, who's going to listen to them and not judge them. That's the other thing. That's why people, I think, don't seek help is because they think, well, not even seek help. They don't talk to the people around them, like close people, because they feel like, oh, they're going to judge me for feeling like this. Or they're going to be like, oh, why are, you, why are you doing that? Why do you think like that? Some people just need to be more understanding and and realize that even though I'm not going through something, this person might be going through something. So let me let me try to understand what it is and see if I can help them and, and all that. One of the, the best examples, Metal World Peace. Yep. On that championship, I want to shout out my therapist. That was the first one of the first things he said. One of the first people he gave credit to. If anybody know his story, he said he was a lot of anger, a lot of stuff built up, and that just came out on the court from stuff that he was going through off the court that never was talked about. You talk about it, it can bring about a peace. It can bring so much positivity to it. I'm a witness of it. I went to therapy. So anybody that's watching here, yes, we're a sports podcast, but hey, if you need help, you need to talk to somebody. Go do it. From my mouth to your ears. I'm a witness. It is helpful. Find the right person to talk to, even if it's not a therapist. Find somebody to talk to that's trusted, that can help you out in that process. Um, something else happened with some NFL talk. NFL season has not yet started, but we're already getting some predictions and some uh, – some statements that may perceive people might need help, as we just mentioned, 
because they, we don't know what they're thinking when saying so. Amari Cooper said, and a lot of people aren't on board, he believes that this year that the Dallas Cowboys should have three 1,000-yard wide receivers between him, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. What is your thoughts on this prediction and hope of Amari Cooper? Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's, receivers always set these goals so high that it gives them something to shoot for. So I'll say that, that the receivers are going to compete and try to get their numbers. But in the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're not winning. Like, you could shoot for all these stats, but it's, it's empty stats. Like, it was last year. Like, Dak's stats were kind of empty stats because they were playing behind a lot. So that's why his numbers looked like they did. Hopefully they don't have to do that this year, but who knows? The Cowboys, we, we don't know what what can happen in a season. And Jerry Jones still ain't spoken up about, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that. So I don't I don't know if the players are gonna do something about that or have a have an approach to the first game of the season, but I hope so. I hope they're worried about that more so than let's all get a thousand yards and celebrate at the end of the season. It's kind of, there's bigger things. Speaking of that, I'm currently still shopping around to find out my new team that I like. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not rocking with that. How Jerry Jones didn't say nothing. Mind you, a lot of owners didn't say anything, but Jerry Jones has been one of the most silent people from even when the cap situation started regarding Black Lives Matter. So, yeah, I'm currently shopping around <laughs> see what Simone like. Let me throw out some stats. Only five teams have been able to do that in NFL history. The 2008 Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And Bolden, Steve Breston, Larry Fitzgerald. They lost in the Super Bowl. Kurt Warner was the quarterback. 2004, Marvin Harrison, Brandon Stokely, Reggie Wayne of the Colts. They lost in the division round for against the Pats for Peyton Manning. The third team, the Atlanta Falcons in 95, they lost in a wild court with Jeff George as the quarterback. The 1989 Redskins, they lost in the regular season. They didn't even make the playoffs. Went 10-6, didn't make the playoffs. And then the 1980 San Diego Chargers who lost in the conference championship. You know what's all in common with these three 1,000-yard receiver teams? They didn't win. Because you don't need that. Win. It's unnecessary to have that many receivers on one team. It, it's a good thing to have, but as you can see, it doesn't win championships. You could spread the wealth with a bunch of guys like the Patriots do. Like, look up how many times they've had a season where they haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver, and they've won a, a championship. So it's kind of like you want to – you want to shoot for this, but I'd rather be worried about getting this team back on track and trying to win because y'all missed the playoffs last year, had a better team than probably the Eagles and still couldn't find a way to get over the hump. So, and Dak has a lot to prove this year, especially this is another contract year. So he has to show something. Yeah. The thing with that too, that I think being forgotten how, 
This is not like, you feel me, the NBA where you can control kind of how many possessions you get. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get up shots in seven seconds, so we're getting 140 possessions in a game. You can play where your defense don't get off the field for a quarter. So, with that mindset, I'm hoping that this is not the mindset of the offensive coordinator and the rest of the team. Because if that's the mindset, then that means we're going to be forcing the ball in. Because, all right, we're going to try to get 31,000-yard receivers. Another thing, that's a, that's a troubling that I think they're, you know, for getting out of the equation. We have Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. He needs to get touches. So, how, how are we spreading one football around? Three 1,000-yard receivers. You know Zeke needs to get these touches. And we supposed to, to, to win? It's a good issue to have, but – I don't know if all those receivers are going to be happy at the end of the day because they're going to – somebody's going to feel left out. Somebody's going to have an issue that might get out. Might be You see it on the sideline. You see it in the newspaper or something. But I don't see all three of them getting 1,000 yards. I don't see the Cowboys making the playoffs if this is their mentality of going for stats over how we can – help each other and and do it that way. Exactly. I think it needs to be a win by any means necessary, whether you had 50 yards that game and the defense showed up. Whatever way you need to win at this point for their organization, they need to win. Mark Cooper show up in the playoffs. The rest of the team show up in the playoffs because the regular season be nice, and then when the playoffs come, y'all seem to do a disappearing act. Just something to point out. That Cardinals team with Kurt Warner, they lost in the Super Bowl. Guess how many rushing yards they had? Only had 33 yards rushing that game. The running game is still needed. The running game is basically what it is in basketball. When the playoff time comes, it slows down. So you got to have somebody that can get a bucket. You might have somebody that could get a bucket in the post, a guard, whatever the case may be. In the playoffs, when it comes to football, it's the same thing. You need to have – you ain't got to have an elite running back. You need to have some resemblance of a running game. If defense know, oh, they, they got the 1,000-yard receivers, we're just going to make sure we lock up, we play zone, whatever the case may be, to make sure they don't get the success thrown. And if you ain't got no running game, if you ain't got Zeke in the Florida offense, it'll be the same result. This is the end of this episode of the Bitch Mob Podcast. As we know, COVID is still going on. Y'all need to stay safe out there, six feet apart. As we know, it is August 12th, 2020, and they still have not arrested the killer, to be honest, Helen. I don't know what they're waiting on. We're waiting. That's still the most important thing right now with all the sports going on. They still have not done their part on that regard. Bitch mob, we out. Peace.